Welcome to the Blue Shoe Biz Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Christine Mercer here, and I am so excited to have my friend. I have a friend. Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) My friend Randy Fettergreen, who I've known for years, who is Mr. Fashion Guru, but also has his own consulting company. And you work with brands to try to extend their brand. And tell, tell us a little bit about what it is. Yeah, brands will bring me in. Um, it's all by referral. I haven't really pitched any client other than once, and that turned out to be a disaster. So I don't pitch any clients. They come to me by referral. Um, I help them with their positioning. So if it's a luxury brand that has been in the market and has left the market or has been in the market and wasn't successful, or it's a new concept or a new group of people that want to explore the North American market, I'm really good with commercializing a designer's vision with um, taking design product and merchandising it so it's a little bit more commercial, Um, and also being in stores and being with customers, being with sales associates, and really working on bringing animation into the selling process. Well, it's it's funny that you start with that because the thing that was most interesting about when we first met, now, first of all, I wear black unless I can find something darker, and... (laughs) And Randy, but always tries to make me look just a little bit nicer, like he'll fix my scarf or whatever. But you love fashion. You love fashion. I like it. I mean, I love it because it just comes, I like, it's something that I'm interested in, but I try and recognize and have been this way for 15 years to not take it so so seriously. I mean, we are not saving lives. We are not moving the world. We're not curing cancer. We're not curing cancer. I mean, uh, I think that, um, you know, I spent over 20 years at Ralph Lauren and, and, and left for that reason because we were not changing the world. Um, but we thought. But we wait, were. well, we have to start with <laughs> we have to start with Ralph Lauren because we you do. Start, yeah, you know why? Because here's the cool thing about it: you started out in sales in a store, and I you did. became the number right. one salesperson in the country, right? Yeah, like top, top, top three, and 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 you know, it was a great education. I worked at Ralph Lauren when it was an amazing company. It was a it was a small, special brand, and and we we weren't. We, we had four outlet stores and it was just a, it was a real business and, and, and it was an amazing oppor- opportunity for me to learn about um, uh, a lifestyle brand, a vision of a designer and to actually through my course of the career at Ralph, I worked in Ralph Warren Home, I worked in retail, I worked in wholesale, I worked with women's wear, I worked with men's wear, I worked with kids. I mean, I worked in the kids, I was the buyer for kids, but I didn't really work in the kids area, but I worked on the sales floor, originally I started out working on the sales floor, and I worked in the men's Ralph Lauren department, and then I launched Ralph Lauren Home in 1983. Yeah, let's do the math. That's how old I am. And then, um, you know, got into ready-to-wear and apparel in 1991 and launched the Double RL brand, and then the men's purple label and the women's black label. And then... but, but what you also really did was, and I know because you've done it with me, you love helping somebody to look their best. You know, so when you would have a client come in, they came it for you over and over again, and you dressed you dressed people. You 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 put together what made them walk out feeling like they were looking the best that they possibly could look. That was part of the joy, right? Yeah, I think it's part of the joy is really bringing my personal um, fun and animation and personality to the selling process. And I know that no one really needs anything, so it's really about entertainment and the customers came in because they wanted something new and they wanted the entertainment and 
I, I don't know if I made everyone look that much better, but I made them feel that <laughs> well, you, much you better. You made me look better over the years. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's having a little more fun with what you wear or how you decorate your house or how you gift things for people. It's not just all serious. Everyone doesn't want an orange box for a holiday. It might be more interesting to, to receive, you know, homemade biscuits or, 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 or tie-dye beach towels or, you know, embroidered blue jeans or anything that's personal. And I think that entertainment and, yeah, I think entertainment is really kind of what I bring. Well, um, you know, and so now here we are. And the reason I wanted to do this with you is because, A, we do a lot of business and we do a lot of sales work and we podcast a lot about how to move forward in business. And so that's where you came from. And that's where sales really were before before COVID-19. So my desire today is to sort of pick your brain for where what you think is going to happen next. And so let's just start with the fact that the last three months, you know, we're sitting in the middle of June, the last three months, retail sales have done really well. Now tell me, is that because people are sitting at home and they want to buy? I mean, what, how do you explain that when nobody's going out and no one's dressing, you know, from the waist down anyway, they're not dressing unless they're doing Zoom meetings. How do you explain those sales? What, what, do you, what do you say about that? Well, the retail sales, I mean, in the retail sector overall, yeah, there they're, they're, they're are companies that are doing business. But, but there are a lot of retailers that are dying or, or, or dead. There's some that were dead before this that are still on life support. But, but I think that overall, um, you know, the true business is being done. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, Target and Walmart are selling apparel because... It's the only place that, that this country can go when they're buying their groceries and picking up um, hair color so they can do their home hair color where they can pick up a top or a, or a pair of running pants or um, um, you know, new towels that are going to freshen up their life and make them happy. And, and, and for the customer that was accustomed to going to Macy's, I haven't been to Macy's in 20 years, but for their customers that do shop at Macy's, you know, they haven't been able to go into the store and they've been buying online and... and and so Amazon is booming, and stores that sell on Farfetch are are doing well. But for the small specialty stores, for the small better specialty stores, for the small luxury stores, it's really hard. And so, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I mean, I, the the luxury stores and specialty stores that didn't have an online presence that felt like they didn't need that. Like name one. Well, I mean, I one of my clients, one of my long clients I've had for over nine years a luxury shoe brand out of France, handmade shoes in France, and beautiful product. And um, they didn't have a website that was transactional, period. I mean, in this day and age, I mean, it's 2020, and you go on their website and you can see all sorts of beautiful shoes. You can't buy them. And they were afraid that Hermes, you can't buy online. And it's like, okay, but yes, that's crazy, though. We're, we aren't Hermes. We're part... We feel like we are, but we aren't. Well, we have to look at why also. Hermes didn't sell online. I understand that brand a little bit. Um, you know, uh, H2, which is how I refer to my second husband, <laughs> you know, is on the board of Richemont, which is, you know, carries many of the luxury brands from Dunhill to Cartier. With price points so different across the globe, some luxury brands couldn't be online because if you're going to charge three times the amount in Japan then you can't be online because then the discrepancy between price point is is blatant. So don't you think that's one of the reasons they did not sell online? 
I think it's an no. I think it's an image. I, I, I know really? it's an image. Okay. There, there are there are there are programs where they can do global pricing on your website. So you you t- you type in what country you're in, and you get pricing for that market. Now you could probably type in if you're in Japan, and you type in that you're in New York. Your prices might be a little bit different, but then you go to purchase the item. They tell you the item is not available to you. So are you telling me a brand like Hermes? Okay, might not be able to withstand what happens next with all their years of confidence and foundation building because they don't have an online presence? Is that what you're saying? Um, I'm saying that a luxury or non-luxury brand that doesn't have an online presence will have a very challenging time maintaining their business unless you're Hermes. And I, I preface that. And is that the only one you're going to give it to? Yes, because in my what about in, Chanel? I, in my in my experience, I've had many clients say to me, "Oh, you know, we want to build a luxury brand, or we're going to build a luxury brand, or we're building a luxury brand." And I'll say, you know what? There really is only one luxury brand. Really? Do you think that? Yeah, I think Hermes you, is the luxury brand. Okay, tell me what cha- what's the difference between Hermes and Chanel? Well, because Chanel you can buy on sale. Chanel you can buy at Sephora. You can buy Chanel products at Markdown. You can find Chanel products is, at is Macy's. Is Hermes the only one you can't do any of yes. that with? Who knew that, huh? So does that make them better? It makes them consistent. You know, when I worked at Ralph, we thought we were we were a luxury business, but the reality was we weren't a luxury business. To some people, we were, and to Ralph, we definitely were a luxury well, when business. When I spent twelve hundred dollars on a friggin' cashmere sweater, it felt luxurious to me. Right, compared uh, to a Brunello Cuccinelli sweater that's twenty two hundred, okay. or an Hermes sweater that's forty eight hundred. Uh, Laura Pinari, yeah. It's not just about price point, but it's about the packaging, it's about the experience, it's about the transparency of the product, it's about the 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 management of all your distribution from start to finish, and so. Yeah, I mean. Now, why did Hermes do that? Why did they change? Why did they not the go French? <laughs> no, well, there I are think, other French brands, yes, and they didn't yeah, do that. Absolutely, I'm kidding on the French thing, but I, you know, I work for several French brands, and they all operate slightly differently. I mean, I'll. I know we're going to jump around, so you have to keep stirring me. But one quick thing: one of my French clients, they've just reopened after three months being shut down, completely shut down, like not even checking emails. Although a few WhatsApps or texts get answered, but very few. And I asked about when, you know, what the plans were for the summer and, you know, when we were going to be back in full force. And they said, well, we're going to be working um, on limited basis until the summer holidays. And I said, what? And they said, what? And I said, what? Are you going on holiday this summer? Are you guys closing in August again? Oh my God. And they said to me, well, yes, of course we are. And I was shocked, and I'm still a little surprised. Yeah, but, but also the Europeans know how to live in a way that Americans do not. Yeah, I mean, come on. I they, mean, they, I, they actually, it doesn't surprise me at all, and maybe it's a good they've thing. They've been off for three months. I know, but maybe it's a good thing. They said, well, we weren't off. We were at home. We were at home. We weren't on yeah, holiday. Yeah, exactly. And, the, and the, the resorts and the hotels and the restaurants and shops and all the resort towns will go out of business if we don't all go on holiday there. Very French. Americans, I think we so know French. how to... It's so French. Americans, we know how to live. We just live differently. I don't know that we know how to live the way they do. I think we know how to live differently today than we did everything. I think the balance, the way that you, everyone, whether you live in an apartment in Brooklyn or you're in Tallahassee, Florida, or you're in um, Ontario, California, you've seen your yard, your garden, your neighbors, you've seen your 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 
relationships differently over the past it's true. 10 to 12 weeks. You know, it's funny because we're sitting out here and if you hear heavy breathing, it's my dog, <laughs> you know, we're, which I would never do on a podcast. In other words, everything, the way we're approaching any kind of element that you did is with a little bit of, it's okay if it's not perfect. You know, the perfectionism right. is gone. But what is that going to do to luxury brands on the other side? In other words, is somebody still going to pay $1,000 for a shirt if they don't have to anymore? Um, I think that the... That's a good, very good question. Um, I think that the experience that someone, with my experience or experience with yourself, Chris, is that we were around in 2008 when the market changed and the I whole... I don't remember it being different for me, but anyway, go ahead. It was pretty significant in retail yeah. and no one shopped and I was working with brands that we were in stores such as Saks and Neiman's and Nordstrom and Barney's. Rest in peace, Barney's. Um, Do you feel that way? Do you feel Barney's? Were you shocked and saddened when it le- when it left? I it it left two years before it left. Well, not only that, no offense, but even when I was a skinny girl, which was a number of years ago, but even when I was a skinny girl and when I was married to H two and extremely wealthy, I went into Barney's and they never once made me feel welcome. And Barney's had an arrogance that I think there were people like me who could have shopped there but Absolutely. chose not to. Um, that's the dog <laughs> who could have shopped there and chose not to, who said, you know, you got what you deserved because you didn't treat the customer with the same kindness and, and, you As know, you treat a friend. No, you didn't. Right. No. Right. And I think that leadership in that company, um, was mismanaged the past 18, the last 18 months. And I think that they, they, at one point, again, back to technology, but they said, Oh, only, I think they quoted it only. 18% of our customers shop on our website. They all like the experience of being in our stores. And that well, not was not all of us. I'm right. Sure and that didn't. was right. And that was like within nine months <laughs> yeah. of them declaring bankruptcy. I mean, that was completely unrealistic. Well, yeah, that but, was the CEO that said that. Well, not only that, here's the other thing. I, um, I used to buy a lot of Valentino and I was a size 10 and I would buy a lot of it in France. And then I would also go into the New York store on Madison Avenue and buy some of it there. And then I happened to be at Valentino's house in Stad, uh, for, New Year's Eve, la-di-da, you know. Wow, fancy. And I'm sitting there talking to him, and I said, tell me something. If you go into the Paris store, you can buy size 16 in Valentino. But if you go into the Madison Avenue store, it only goes up to size 12. And he said, American women do not want to see their clothes on someone heavy. And uh, first of all, I was like, excuse me? And he said, they sell smaller sizes in America. Not only that. He said they changed the sizing so a 12 in America was larger than a 12, or I can't, whatever it was. He said American women are so snotty, basically. What he was saying is they don't want to see someone who's a little overweight wearing the same thing as them. So when you look at luxury goods, they've really been designed for people who look a certain way and not based necessarily on how much expendable income you have. Would you agree with that? I think Ralph Lauren does that too. I think um, that's a very good question. I think that polo the, was cut differently than than the purple label. There, there's there's a few things um, in in the two thousand eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelves. There was we used to call it vanity sizing. So if you bought Donna Karen or Ralph Lauren or Michael Kors as an American design group, three American 
big designers. I'm not putting Calvin in there. Sorry, Calvin. But you, you're yeah, another thing. Because uh, Calvin designs for size twos but and zeros. Um, but if you were buying Donna or Ralph or, or Michael Kors and you were a size 12, you could buy a 10 and feel really great about it. And, 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 and it's it, bullshit. Well, that what we called it vanity sizing. So, okay. so a girl that was a eight could buy a six and feel really great about it. And a girl that was a six could buy a and four. How, but how absurd is that? It, absurd. Okay. And that I think has changed. What I also learned when I started working with Bergdorf Goodman at one time, um, Bergdorf carried size. They used to put on display the 40, the 38, the 40 and the 42. And in the back they had a 44 46s and 48s, and some brands like Acris, which makes a beautiful garment, Chanel, Armani, Escada, Escada being at like Neiman's, but those brands also made a 50 and a 52. Really? Bergdorf had Chanel 50s and 52s, Acris 50 and 52s in the back. They didn't put them out because. First of all, the same reason that Bianchino told me. Yeah, and also that a size two or four doesn't want to look at a size forty-eight on a hanger, right? Because let's face it, they put size eight shoes on displays or men's size six and a half on displays and women's because they look so pretty. But isn't it sad that they have to do that in America, but they don't necessarily do it in Europe? Absolutely, but in Europe, in a in a in a women's apparel store, they usually put one dress on display. Of each, or one of each jacket, yeah, and yeah. they're merchandised differently. Whereas in America, there's three or four out, or five out, depending on what brand you are. Well, so but let's get back to the shopping experience after COVID. Yeah. So it's you know AC yeah, after AC. COVID. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so if we look at the malls, we look at Short Hills Mall. Now you know the owners of Short Hills Mall. You know. Are they Aquiniers? Uh, yes. The Tobmans are, okay. Okay, well, right. not exactly, yes and no. Right. Um, anyway, I've talked to him many times about the fact that if you don't make, if you don't take some of the stores out and make it be an experience of you're going there for lunch and you're going there for an exercise class or whatever, you're never, it's, you're not going to succeed. Okay, so right. now we're sitting here and we've got COVID and the odds of somebody, I think they should make them into condos. You know, I, you know, it's, there's no way he's, they're going to survive this situation. Okay, so how are we going to shop, and what are we going to shop for, and what's going to matter differently than it did before in the luxury market? I think in the whole market, I think ease and comfort are most important today. I think if you're spending $28 on a hooded sweatshirt, and you're buying it at H&M, or you're buying it at Zara, or you're buying it at Old Navy for $30, or you're buying it for $1,400 at Dior, you want something that's comfortable, first and foremost. I didn't put gap in there. Wait, comfort I, at the at the expense of style, or just comfort? I think comfort is. Um, oh God, so we could talk for four days. We used to joke that that men would buy clothes based on first comfort, second how it made them look, and third price. Women first would look at the brand, and if it's fashionable, and they want to look skinny in it. Right, and then they want all their friends to know what they're wearing. So, those things I think are less important today. It's still important to some people, but it's less important. I think comfort is going to become most important because for the past three months, I don't know a lot of girls that put on heels. By the way, I have friends. I never, I haven't worn them in years, but I have friends who have said to me who were wearing them three months ago who said, "I will never wear another Jimmy Choo shoe again ever." You know, 
Unless he makes a flat, which you told me. Didn't you tell me recently he started making some shorter? He's Yeah, the, a lot of the shoe designers are making lower heels. Also, before all this, flats were a, st a look, and they were a trend right now. Tr chunky sandals with a flat heel, little kitten heels. Were, were yeah, but when you were really dressing up, oh, you were putting on a one, yeah. you were putting on a one ten to and do you think that's going to you're going to think that's going to change? I think it's going to be years because I don't. Why are you getting dressed up? Are you getting dressed up to go to lunch with your girlfriends? Are you getting dressed up to go to a gala? Are you going to the symphony or the ballet? Are you going to the theater? Although most people in the theater, half of them are still are wearing sneakers and 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 worse shorts with sneakers at the theater. Do you remember you used to dress up to take an airplane ride? Of course you did. I you did. I still put on a sport coat whenever I got on a plane. I don't. I mean, I'll tell you, I got on a plane once. The head of Neiman Marcus was on that overnight flight. And when I got off the plane and I looked at him and he was in a ratty t-shirt and a ratty pair of khakis. And I said, at least you could put on a better pair of pants and a shirt. He's like, it was a night flight. I said, it's fashion week. Look what you're wearing. He looked at me and said, oh, come on. And I said, look what I'm wearing. He goes, yeah, but you're just an exception. No, we all got dressed up on planes, and there's nothing wrong with it. Did you feel better flying? Of course I do. I feel better when I'm cleaned up. Everyone feels... It's like getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth. You feel better immediately when you brush your teeth, right? Um, yeah. When I brush my teeth, I do, but I... Well, it's funny. I was telling you the story the other day that Spanx... I never bought a pair of Spanx in my life. And so Spanx was never marketed to me, you know, so... And now all of a sudden, Spanx is coming up on my feed because she's now changing. And rather than wearing an undergarment that's going to in, throw inwear, is that what it's called? In inwear yeah. that's going to that's going to you know tighten my waist or whatever. It's now the pants themselves are going to do it, but they also are very fashionable. Right. Outwear. And all of a sudden, now I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, I'll buy those pants. They look great. Okay, I think she's been very smart. I looked her up. She's a private company or yeah, I would have invested. Yeah. But she's been very smart at saying, okay, the market's going to change. It has to look good. And certain things are going to go away. And anything like, you know, I mean, girls were around in the 50s, 60s. They died. Then she brought them back. Because whatever you want to call it, Spanx is a girdle. Right. I'm sorry, but it is. Right. You know, it's a terrible right. word. But Compression. It's a, what? <laughs> They, call, they refer to it as compression <laughs> inwear. Okay, compression well, inwear. you know, that's right, what it is. But it's a girdle. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, well, now that's going to go away again. I, I think, think so. Yeah. So, yeah. But but those pants that she's now designing work the same way as her. And her. And, and you know what? Some of, the, some, some of these products that are to make you look better, I, mean, I can't imagine how bad those girdles are for your body and your sweat glands and everything else. And I think that... Your comfort is most important. I think that some... So what if you're a size 14? So what if you're a size 20? If you're comfortable, if you're if you're healthy and happy, so be Well, it. you say that, but you you do... But I don't believe you don't judge that. Because uh, the, if you look at the way you take care of your body, if you put on three pounds, you'd be beside yourself. Well, I've got a million-dollar wardrobe I've got to fit into. <laughs> okay, but, here, but here's the other thing on that. So do you think... That moving forward, how you look is going to matter less as death becomes more imminent and more. In other words, COVID-19 has leveled the playing field. You know, I come from the Hamptons and now we're sitting in beautiful Hudson, looking out at the Hudson um, you know, River right by Randy's house. And, you know, but now you could die and your money's not going to save you. And whatever it is, you everybody is starting to live life differently. 
And so I don't think what you wear matters the same way it used to. I think when people go to dinner, it's going to be more about trying to have dinner safely and really being able to say, oh, my God, I missed you and I get to see you. And, you know, we won't be doing it as much or as often. So maybe it won't matter, uh, you know, or maybe it should matter. I don't know. Um, I think that people will continue to buy luxury goods or, or again, back to the, the $22 sweatshirt or the or the $1,400 sweatshirt. It's all relative. Um, I think that people will buy products for retail therapy. I think people will buy products because they have a relationship with a salesperson that they want to keep employed. They have an, a need for something fresh to freshen up their wardrobe. I, I might be wearing stay-at-home clothes every day. But I've rotated. I've worn probably 300 different pieces over the past three months. Now, what's going to happen to Fashion Week? Is oh, that... I think that's a disaster. So I think go... Fashion Week was on life support beforehand. The thought of the, the reality of... Really? In what, what way? Well, okay, let's say you have, you have New York Fashion Week women's. You start, it starts in New York in, in February. Then it goes to London. Then it goes to Milan. Then it goes to Paris. And a month later... These buyers and fashion directors come back and start working on pre-collection, and the companies are del- we're showing we're showing six or eight times a year. Yeah, there's two major fashion weeks, but then there's pre-collections, and then you get a brand that shows decides they're going to show off. Calendar. But did Fashion Week matter? In the past, or does it matter? Well, in the past, it mattered. Well, it mattered because it gave brands the ability to show their voice to to show their voice. In front of an audience that oohed and awed and clapped and bloggers all took pictures and all posted it. And it became this whole um, uh, snowball of information that all came from a show. And and whether you're Oscar de la Renta or you're, you're Valentino doing a show, you get a lot of press from a show. However, in, in post-COVID... Who's going into a venue to sit jam like sardines next to somebody else who's looked to somebody else who's looking over at Honor Wintour, who's wedged next to Andre Leontali, who's wedged next to the excellent Bailey from 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 Harper's Bazaar, who who are all wedged in the front row waiting for a show to start and you're waiting for 30 minutes in a hot venue. You're not gonna do it. You're never gonna do it. Oh pick. I never. I stopped enjoying going to shows several years ago. I you go when your client has a show, but after well, then how are you going to sell? In other words, one of the things that I know you you're going to show less. You're going to sell less. You're going to sell more of the right stuff. All those runway clothes. I mean, I remember the head of men's at Barney said to me, "Do you know at the fashion shows we buy less than ten percent of what walks down the runway?" And I said. You know what? I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. And most of that stuff never gets made anyway. All that theater well, that, that goes yeah, on. Well, that's for publicity. And, to, and for bloggers and for, yeah. for, for insta, uh, uh, what do they call them? Influencers. Yes, that's what they call them. Yes, well, I know. Well, it's not what, I think that's, you're going to have to start saying that's what we call them. I'm, I, I'm, I'm referred to as an influencer, I know so I know that's I what know, they call me. I know, because I follow you on Instagram. They follow okay, me. Okay, we'll be putting all your Instagram and stuff up. But, all right, no but worry. so here's the thing. So... Will my budget, what will my budget be spent on? Will it be spent, will I spend less of my budget on luxury fashion 
and more on experiences or how is this going to change well, uh, 2 years ago you would have spent it on experiences but the experiences right now is is getting on a plane to go on a to go on a private boat on, with four other couples and enjoy the Amalfi coast for 2 weeks could you imagine oh right now no no well yes actually i mean i talked to the president of netjets and you know their business is up tenfold of course it is but yeah. families are flying all over the world Six couples all flying commercially to get to, no, to Sardinia. Not it's no. not happening. No, no, no. Right. And so I think that people will spend money. And then restaurants. I mean, we used to eat out five nights a week. I love eating out. I My trainer has said for 20 years, the only reason why I have a trainer is so that I can eat the way I like to eat. And the reality is it's partially true. But, you know, we're not going out to dinner, so we're cooking. And we're, we're I'll, spend, I'll spend $28 on a veal chop So do you ever Whole dress Foods. up? Um. Do I ever dress up? Um, not not up. No, I mean I I'll put on a um, I'll put on a nice press shirt that that is hanging in my closet with two hundred of its friends, and I'll put on a pair of trousers. But you know I'll put it on with a pair of you know flip flops or a pair of nice shoes and and wear them with a pair of shorts. But I'm not getting dressed up the way that I used to. So what you're predicting basically is luxury's not going to go away. But we're not going to buy as much of it because we're not going to have the the social life is going to be changing for the next couple of years at least. It has, yes, well, it has. And, and it's not going to end in the next three months. And so, therefore, right. we're not going to have need for it. So there'll be less of it. As, 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 as an American, I'd say yes, very much so. For, for international travelers, I mean, there's an international traveler that's shopping immensely. And they're coming from... from their countries and they're studying in this country and they're they're coming to shop and they're not really here for vacation because the doors are closed but they're shopping and they're spending a lot of money and that market there will still be that but there will be less of it gucci announced that they're doing two runway collections a year two they're putting men and women's together i don't think it's to save money but it's to save poor alessandra michele's mind from having designed eight collections a, a year. I mean, these designers, my friend Claire Wade Keller, who is the creative director at Givenchy, before that she was at, um, at Chloe, Richemont Chloe, and before that she was at um, Pringle of Scotland. Anyway, Claire just left Givenchy. I know, Claire, it was really hard designing two main collections, two pre-collections, a transition collection, and two, two couture collections just for women, but you know women plus men's, you've got two runway shows and two pre-collections. Right. So what I'm hearing you say, though, is excess. We sort of, you know, Ex I feel like we were these hamsters on a wheel totally. of excess. More, 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 more. And sometimes I say to my clients all the time, you know, sometimes more is just more. It's not necessarily better. Absolutely. Okay, so what you're saying now is this slows everything down. And so sales, so luxury's not going away, which is what I, my real question today was. But what it's going to do is everybody will slow down and it'll be more moderate. There'll be moderate presentation of new new product and new and all and everything. Uh, yes, I think I think that is very, very much what would happen. However, I think right now there will be a hiccup. So when all these luxury stores reopen, there's a lot of inventory that is sitting there. So there will be markdowns. I'm not saying Hermes will mark down, but, they're, but they do a warehouse sale. But it's all, we won't talk about that because they don't talk about it. But, but so who gets invited? I never got invited. Anna. 
She gets invited. <laughs> and all the little... Well, but Anna gets it for free. She doesn't have to pay at the well, warehouse. But she sale. gives it to all of her minions. And okay. all the... You know, all the in, Many of the influencers and the editors and, and all yeah. the people that are friends of Hermes get invited. So, um, but but once the inventory clears out, I think you will also see a new a, a reduction, a, a, a revision of the price architecture. I think pricing architecture will change. I think that the days of, of oh, we could sell that dress for 22000 So, okay, we'll price it at $22,000. That Valentino dress probably should have been... 9500 if it's a fabulous gown, right? But it went up to 22000 At Ralph Lauren, we had $22,000 dresses hanging. I remember the CEO of the company said, we hang $20,000 gowns in our store. We don't sell them, but we hang them in there. <laughs> okay, I think that that woman that's buying a gown for $6,500, that's still a lot of money. But that dress all of a sudden became... Especially 12... she's not going to wear it anymore near as much as she right. used to. Yeah. And that dress became 12000 A men's handmade suit went from, from $1,950 to $2,500 to... To seven thousand. How did it? How did it happen? Because everyone got greedy, and the price architecture was set up so that they could make money when they marked it down forty percent off. I think what will happen is it will be a, 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 a kind of a recalibrating, um, and I think there'll be less markdowns. Clothes will come in to America more when you want them instead of having to buy your fall coat in June. It should really come in in August. So in September. You'll buy a coat when it gets cold, and they'll get on on markdown probably in December instead so of in like October. just like everything else in our life, everything will slow down. All right, now yeah. if you, I wanna I wanna end with a couple things. Oh, we're One ending. Is, well, it's time. Um, okay, but a couple of things I wanted to ask you about. If you, if I were a luxury brand now or any brand really that's selling product in retail environments direct to consumer, how would you market now? How, in other words, what would your messaging be? For, you know, the men's shoes that you love so much, because I don't know, how many pairs of shoes do you have, Randy? Tell the truth. Do you um, even know? I have a lot of shoes. I okay. have no a idea. Lot, Hundreds. What does a lot mean? Hundreds. Okay. Okay. And I don't keep them in boxes. And you love shoes? Yeah, I love shoes. I love ties. I love cashmere okay. sweaters. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so how would you market? In other words, what would your messaging, we're all about messaging, and now we're working on messaging for our clients now. How would you message in this new world of everything slowing down? Would you then say, I'm going to show four products instead of ten? How would you message to me, the consumer, to make sure that I buy from you? I think you're out. You're you're asking me a question that's not within my um, experience. So I'm I don't do marketing. I'm a salesman. I'm an entertainer. Well, I'm some a, would say you can't do sales without marketing. And someone says you can't set, you can have the greatest product, but without marketing, you who's ever going to see it? So I'm going to would throw this one back at you because I would say that what's important to me as a consumer and as a merchant and as a, a follower of of trends, but also a trend maker because I, I I do. All right, here's what I would say. I would look at it differently. I would want to know about quality. I would want to know about sustainability and and and. And, and social practices, traceability. There is so much product that's being made in China and being finished in Italy because of loopholes in that law. It's a whole other podcast. Well, but, yeah, exactly. but you can say this shoe yeah. is made in Italy or this handbag is made in Italy when actually the only thing that was put on it was, it was the, shoelace. <laughs> the shoelace or the strap you know, on the I handbag. Got it. I got it. So, okay, so, so but all right, I think I what think traceability I would say is, important. is I would take the luxury product and say, um, luxury begins at home 
In other words, I would take the product and I would place it in the market in which we're now going to be living. So I would try to sell you on the fact that when you do movie night, that maybe you dress you dress to go out to the movies, you know, and that you'll enjoy, you know, I would, I would, I would show this beautiful big screen TV and I would show two people very well dressed sitting in a wonderful couch for two and a half, you know, and I would show them watching some, you know, you know, move film that just came out, which is what they're doing now. You know, uh, for example, it's interesting because Netflix has just started where you can watch you can decide you're going to have movie night with 10 of your friends and you all watch it exactly at the same time and you can type on your computer and it'll show up. Can you believe what they're wearing? So you can actually converse during the movie, which they think will make the movie experience even better than going to the movies. Right, because you can't talk to the right. know. So I would take the new product and I would place it in the new world that we're now living in. That's what I would probably do to try to sell it. And I think that's a hard sell a little bit to spend that much more money on something that... You know, which is silly because what shouldn't it be for the person you're with rather than for the world at large who you don't even know to see? So if I'm buying that $2,500 cashmere sweater, I rarely wore it at home. I wore it when I went out to dinner. So now what I need to do is say that cashmere sweater should you. be seen for you yes. and for your partner, not for the people at the table next door. Right. So I would, I think that I, that's how I would do the messaging for luxury now. Do you think, would you be able to sell that? I think that's a really nice approach that you have. The, the these these products are very personal and they should be personal and so everyone that has everyone has their own sense of what luxury is and everyone has their own sense of what's personal but i think to market to somebody on these are things for you not for all the people around you you're wearing this fragrance for you or for your spouse not not to the, you know. Right. And, and Which, by the way, has not been what, you know, you didn't right. wear that $2,500 cashmere sweater. You were saving it. To right. go out where strangers looked at you. You Ooh. didn't use your fine china at home. Oh, yes. Right. You wasted, you didn't sit in the living room at no. home. I would say most people now are using their living rooms. They're using their fine stemware. Well, they're turning their living rooms into, into screening rooms <laughs> right, is what right. they're doing. But. Right. Or, or they're using their fine stemware to... to, to with dinner at night, and they're and they're using their sterling if they have that from their wedding so, that they're you know, using. So, how exciting would that be, where the people around you meant more to you than the people who you didn't know? You know that maybe that's one of the good things we could end on in terms of COVID and luxury is that luxury begins at home. Luxury begins at home, and it yeah. really. Um, Which, by the way, you've always done, but not everybody does that. I mean, whenever I come here, you you live, your luxury is for your own pleasure. I think more than. Although I think you, you know, you like to be seen and you like people to say great shoes or whatever. Right, but, but it's luxury yeah. really begins within and it's yeah. really for your yeah. own luxury first and foremost. You know, I, I, what I would end with is one of my dearest friends who passed away before she died. She said, you know, Randy, the last shirt in the closet doesn't have a pocket. Okay, now a plane's flying overhead going, ooh, that's a really wonderful thing. Huh. Did she not? Did she figure that out long before she died? Um, she figured it out before she died. She she left her estate a mess. But but the point is is you know you're not take you can't take this stuff with you. Okay. So all this stuff enjoy now. You know she said. Oh, by I the way, I, I absolutely and you do. I've too. enjoyed collecting yeah. all this stuff on my life. My husband is like, oh my god, we have more stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I've spent my whole life collecting, and I've enjoyed it. When I get to a point where I'm where it becomes a burden. 
then it's different. But I really have enjoyed collecting almost everything. Okay, so I have a bunch of questions that I prepared for the end. These are one-answer questions. Ready? Oh, here we go. Okay, so, and by the way, it's all from the female. So, because most of our listeners are female. Okay. So, if, if you could, if you were a woman and you could buy one watch, what watch would you buy? Something really pretty. But, but I want a brand and I want a watch. Patty Philippe. Really? Okay, yes. the one with the little things that stick out on the sides? No, just to, as, a, as a heritage, beautiful watch. They, okay, right. heritage, okay. All right, what about one pair of shoes? One pair of shoes? Uh, just go with me here. Manola Blahnik. You would? Oh, yeah. my goodness. All okay. the girls I know that wear Manola say they could run a marathon in them. They do? Yeah, they don't say that about Louboutin. They don't say that about Jimmy Choo. They don't say that about Roger okay, Vivian. handbag. Handbag. A Birkin. Because it'll always go up in value. It's the only... If I would have invested... But you'd never sell it. Doesn't matter. If I would have invested... I Instead of buying 50 watches, I should have bought 50 Birkins. They'd be worth more than the 50 watches I own. Okay. Car. Well, I know. Porsche, right? If I'm a woman, though, you're asking me. Yeah. Yeah. I would say probably a Lexus. Really? Yeah. Save. How many Porsches do you you have? Two, right? Well, I've had them over my lifetime, several. But I right now we have one. But I I think I think a Lexus is a safe, fun, unassuming. You're not going to get hijacked in it, carjacked. You're not going to get stranded. You know if yeah if you were going to have one car, yeah, I'd say Lexus. Okay. Favorite movie. Okay. Scarface. <laughs> What? Scarface. Really? Yeah, oh but, my God. but again, you want me to be a woman. I, can't, I don't know how to answer that. No, no, I, that's not, you don't right. have to Michelle Pfeiffer was gorgeous in it. Oh, she was. Oh my God, she was gorgeous in She's it. She's gorgeous in a lot of and, things. And Al Pacino was unbelievable in it. I mean, you know, I have to tell you a funny story. I We had a friend, Kenny Newman, who used to stay with us in the Hamptons all the time. And one weekend, he was so excited because Michelle Pfeiffer, everybody knew, was out there for the weekend. And so what we would do is we had people call and say, Okay, she's here. She's we made it up. Like she's at the ice cream store in East Hampton, and he would get in his car and he'd run over there. And of course, oh, she just left. He just missed her all weekend. We had him running hither to and yon. She never showed up anywhere. But Michelle Pfeiffer, people, men really love her. Yeah, she was great in Scarface yeah, when she, she came was. down the elevator. And her name is Alvira, and and she came down the interior elevator, and she was just, just yeah. stunning. Yeah. Well, Favorite thank movie. you for yeah. this conversation today. That was the end of the questions. Come on. No, that, that is the end of the questions. Wow. You could go on all day, right? Huh. But I'd love to talk with you again in a few months because now I'd like to come back in a few months and say, okay, here's what I didn't foresee. Here's what also, what also is happening, et cetera. And do you think anything's, anybody's going to, any big brands that have been around for decades that you think might not last it through here? I think the next shoe to drop is going to be Brooks Brothers. Yeah. I didn't know it hadn't dropped. No, it hasn't dropped yet. <laughs> Yeah, it hasn't. I mean, I, I think, don't know anybody I, who's been to Brooks Brothers. Do you? And I think, I think, I think Gap is beyond resuscitation. Yeah, also, yeah. I mean, I, I think this is many of these brands were in deep. What about luxury brands, though? French brands, big brands. Yeah, I, most of the French luxury brands are owned by LVMH, Richemont, and Caring. They are too large. The, 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 my friends that work for LVMH... They're like banks. They're too large to fail. Yeah. My my dear friends that work... Several dear friends that work for LVMH, through this whole pandemic, LVMH has been unbelievable. They have been paid in full 
100% of their salary As they and benefits. should be, by the way. Take all those this. profits all these years. No, it, no yeah. insurance, yeah. no no relying on the French government. Yeah. So they've been amazing. I have friends at, at, at other companies, not so good. Right. Yeah. So, um, what about Polo? What about Ralph Lauren that oh, we launched could, you? Do you think you're gonna? Do you think he's gonna make it through this? It's a whole other conversation. I think that. Um, I think that. I think that they're they'll make it, but I, I think it's it needs to be a very different company than it is today. Okay. Well, you and, thought that anyway. Aside from this, so. yeah, and and it, it's it's it has to be a very different company to be to be. Um, to be one that he's proud of, mm-hmm. and and as a legacy, his 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 son, who's involved in the business, and his son who's not involved in the business, and his daughter who's not involved in the business, but that legacy. She does candy. I mean, she she and she's and I knew her when she was a little girl. She always loved candy. And you know, bunnies. I was so excited when she opened that candy store because I thought it's going to be amazing. And I went in, I was like, I could get this anywhere. Yeah, there's was, nothing in there. It was that, kind of curated, and it was a fun experience. But it, it there's nothing yeah. in there though that wowed me with no. anything. Yeah, yeah, it really wasn't so. Um, anyway, thanks, Randy. Thanks for talking to us today. Really thanks for having me. It.